1: Hi everybody, Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today we visit an important sleep research lab in Rochester, New York, to dig into the dream world and what scientists are learning about it, as well as unsolved mysteries of sleep. This week's cover story on Full Measure, that's Sunday, May 15th, We'll examine the science of sleep and dreams. I was surprised to find there's still so much we don't know. Little by little, researchers are piercing some of the secrets. Michelle Carr at the Sleep and Neurophysiology Research Center at the University of Rochester is one expert on the topic. I met with her as she was wiring up a test subject to observe the test subject's sleep while the subject was napping and dreaming, as you'll see in my full measure report. Here's the interview with scientist Michelle Carr.
0: My main area of interest is uh, dreaming and nightmares, and the neuroscience and cognitive science of dreams and nightmares. What got you interested in that? Uh, I've been interested in dreaming as long as I can remember, but um, I became interested in the science of sleep and dreaming. Uh, when I was an undergraduate at the University of Rochester, and I worked in this lab with my boss now, my current boss, Dr. Pigeon. Um, I did just like an undergraduate research assistant uh, position here for a year, and it was the first time I'd been exposed to sleep science, and it was just really fascinating and exciting um, seeing the brain during sleep. And at the same time, I was doing my degree in brain and cognitive science, so learning about, a lot about psychology and how the mind works. And so I just became really um, excited at the idea of understanding what the mind is doing while you're sleeping. What you
1: said, it was so interesting to see what the brain's doing during sleep. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate just a little bit on what does the brain do like in layman's terms?
0: Yeah. So prior to like using EEG to study sleep, um, it kind of just looks like somebody is dead when they're sleeping, right? It looks like they're not really active or not really doing anything while they're asleep. And using polysomnography, um, we can see that the brain is going through different patterns of activation. Uh, Generally, it's just the activation in the brain is slowing down and synchronizing um, as you go through different stages of sleep. So it just gets deeper and slower um, in the first part of the night. And then you enter the REM sleep state uh, which is rapid eye movement sleep, and in this state, you see actually a lot of brain activity that looks similar to wakefulness. So the brain is seems to be processing a lot of information, um, and you know through other electrodes that are placed either around the eyes or on the muscles, we can see patterns of activation that occur. So it just you can see that the brain and the body is doing certain things as it's sleeping. It's not just completely inactive. Yeah.
1: Was it surprising when you learned how much we know or maybe how little we know about these things that we spend so much of our time doing? Yeah, Um, I think, you know, we're still learning a lot. There's still a
0: lot that we don't know about sleep, but sleep has been, I mean, there's quite a lot of research devoted to it. And just because the more we study it, the more we realize how it's important for almost every aspect of waking health and and well-being. Um, So I think we've kind of just had an enormous amount of knowledge generated in the past 20 to 50 years around sleep and and what what sleep is useful for. Um, There's much less known about dreaming, I think. It's a relatively newer kind of side of sleep science. So I think we're still learning a lot there.
1: Um, Big question. Why do we dream and what do the dreams mean? <laughs> the biggest question.
0: Um, I think that it's hard to really answer that just in one way because, I mean, it's kind of like asking, you know, why, why do we have waking life? Which is there, there are so many different things that we do throughout the day. Um, and there are so many different things that we do while we're asleep as well. And dreaming um it, it seems to follow certain patterns that um, kind of are associated with, with what stage of sleep you're in. And it seems like dreaming is kind of showing us what the mind is doing and what sort of information is being um, processed during sleep. And one of the whys or one of the functions that a lot of research is looking into right now is is dreaming actually um, important for, for learning and for memory? So when we look at someone's dreams, is it showing us kind of that they're rehearsing and consolidating certain uh, information or experiences from, from their previous waking life? Um, and that's kind of one, one of the main functions that people are looking into now is is dreaming related to learning. Um, The other side of it seems to be more related to emotion. Uh, Dreams are very emotional. Um, Why is that? It seems like one of the functions of of sleep and of dreaming is in processing emotion. You know, we we experience a lot of stress during the day. We go through a lot of different sort of stressful activities throughout the day and it kind of accumulates. And it seems like when we sleep, that's kind of um, regulated or or we wake up refreshed, right? And um, one theory is that maybe dreaming is playing a role in that, that it's, it's helping us to adapt to some of the stressful experiences we've had in the previous day. Um, so, so those are kind of two overarching functions that I think we're looking at. Um, is dreaming helping us to rehearse information and rehearse kind of learning tasks that we're exposed to during the day and is dreaming helping us to, um, I guess adapt is, is one word, but helping us to process emotional experiences and help us to prepare for the next day, all of the stress that we're going to experience the next day.
1: Some people say they don't dream. Yes. Is that possible? It's possible. I don't. I think that a lot of people who
0: say that they don't dream just aren't recalling um, their dreams. So there are some, like, certain factors that seem to correlate with who remembers more or less dreams. Um, So, you know, there's personality factors, but kind of how emotional and sensitive a person is, it seems to be correlated to how vivid their dream experiences are. And it might just be related to having a really vivid imaginative inner world that happens. It can be in daydreams and waking imagery, but it shows up in vivid dreams as well and more, intense dream experiences like nightmares or uh, lucid dreams, which I can talk about in a bit. Um, But it could also just be uh, related to more basic physiology, like if you're someone who's not sleeping very long, so if you have short sleep, or if you're someone who's waking up with an alarm and immediately getting out of bed versus someone who lies in bed and kind of has time to snooze and Um, go in and out of sleep, like that would lead to more dream recall.
1: What what are the rules of dreams? You talked about, I was sort of asking about why when you're in a dream sometimes do the oddest things happen, but you don't stop. And usually you don't stop and go, Mm -hmm. grandma, you're not alive. Why are you here? Like you just accept a lot of crazy things. And um, there's yeah. many other things, too. Like, I've heard you don't die in your dreams. I did die once. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but what are some of the rules?
0: Uh, yeah, it does seem like dreams are are bizarre when we compare them to the waking world. Like, the the laws of physics aren't necessarily the same in the dreaming world. You can fly often in your dreams. Do a lot of people fly? A lot of people fly in their dreams. It's one of one of the most positive dream experiences, and it's universal. People report that. Um, although there's variation in how people fly, some people like swim through the air, or some people uh, just Superman.
1: <laughs> how do you fly? Uh, I heard you say earlier that you fly. I'm a swimmer.
0: I swim through the air. Yeah.
1: Um, but we were talking about rules. rules. Yeah. Um, so the dream world is just has its own set of physiological rules and everything. It seems mm-hmm. like.
0: Yeah, when we say dreams are bizarre, there are certain patterns of bizarreness that seem to repeat. So. One of them you were talking about earlier is like, I'll be in a house, it doesn't look anything like my house, and yet in my dream, I know it's my house. And that seems to be like, the dream is just using kind of general knowledge of of what a house might look like, but you're kind of guided by this feeling in the dream, like you sense that it's your house, and so it's your house, right? Or you're looking at someone who doesn't look anything like your mother, but you know it's your mother in the dream um that's one type of bizarreness and another thing is um there's these discontinuities like these changes that will happen so you're looking and talking to a friend and then it suddenly turns into the president and you don't even think twice about it and say oh now it's the president i'm talking to so that's like a discontinuity that happens and i think these are just related to kind of the the really fluid and associative nature of dreams so it's just kind of bringing together a lot of different memory traces, and we're kind of just associating one after after the other and just going through it without questioning much what is happening.
1: Next, Michelle Carr will tell us what we're learning about lucid dreaming. That's when you know you're in a dream while you're in the dream. And about dream engineering, kind of like the science fiction film Inception.
0: Yeah, so one thing that um, being a dream researcher who's worked in sleep laboratories for 10 years, uh, what we see again and again and again is people keep dreaming about the lab. Um, and that makes sense kind of at a basic level. It's a new experience that they're having. It's an emotional and kind of a social novel experience. So it makes sense that when you sleep in the lab, you kind of process that information. But what's interesting is that we see these We're starting to see these patterns in how people dream about the lab. Like, um, it's, it just kind of seems like there's, it's, there's certain parts of experience that are more likely to be dreamt about or or they're more likely to appear in dreams. Like what? Do they dream about you? They dream about the experimenters very often. Um, so the social aspect of dreaming, dreaming is very often social. Um, they, dream about the, the place, and this is kind of a new thing to me, the, kind of the layout of the lab. It seems like maybe like navigating spatial location in the world and knowing how to, how to interact with and, and navigate the world is something that dreaming is maybe useful for. So we see them often like navigating corridors and opening doors, and there's, there's a lot of this exploration of the lab in the dream. And so. to get here, you have to go down an elevator yeah. and around <laughs> corridors. Of course, so. yeah. It's difficult to get to the lab. Yeah, it's a lot of corridors. Yeah. What is a lucid dream? So a lucid dream is when you become aware of the fact that you're dreaming while you're still asleep and in the dream. How common is that? Um, it's very common to experience occasionally, spontaneously, uh, but to experience them more frequently. Like some people experience these on a weekly basis I think that's much less common. Uh, maybe like, I don't know the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the <laughs> top of my head. But um, yeah, you can also though train yourself to have lucid dreams if it's something that you're interested in. Um, you can practice techniques designed to help you become aware of the fact that you're dreaming when you're in the dream.
1: Have people in the lab had those kind of dreams in your experience? They've woken up and told you, I knew I was dreaming? Yeah, that does happen in the lab. Um, and we do some studies trying to induce
0: them in the lab. So of course it happens in those studies, but it does happen occasionally anyways. And I think it, it sometimes is correlating with those dreams where people dream about being in the lab. And so some part of them is like, I'm dreaming about being in the lab, <laughs> but some part of them also remembers, wait, I'm actually participating in a dream experiment. So I think that can clue them into the fact that they're dreaming.
1: So, um, we'll mention the movie inception. Did you see that? Of course. What are your reflections about that film and what it portrayed and tried to explore versus Mm -hmm. what, you know?
0: Yeah. That film is a lot more, um, extreme than anything that we're actually capable of doing in our lucid dreams. Um, but you know, it lucid dreaming is a skill that you can develop. So maybe as you first learn how to become lucid, you just, become aware of the fact that you're dreaming. And that's, you just say, oh, I'm in a dream. And then you wake up. (laughs) Um, But over time, you can learn to at least initially control your own body in the dream. So you can decide where you want to explore in the dream. Um, And eventually, you can start to have what's um, like control of actual things in the environment. Like you can say, I want to go through a portal. And in the next room, I want to be in like Paris or something like that. And it doesn't just show up exactly like the waking world. Of course, it's, it's still very creative, um, but you start to have some, some level of agency over what you are doing in the dream and what your dream environment
1: is, is starting to look like. If, if someone were to ask, how could we advance, if anything, there may not be an answer to this, but what could understanding our dreams better Mm -hmm. lead to in terms of scientific knowledge what we understand about ourselves maybe our physical or mental health what do you think
0: yeah um i think dreams are you know corresponding with kind of fluctuations in our own physical and mental health so i think you know keeping track of your own dreams can be insightful for that um you can kind of see things will start to recur if you're worried about something you might have that kind of like frequently show up in your dreams so you know it's something that is on your mind or something that you're worried about um but more basically i think we're just trying to understand whether the content of dreams is actually playing a role in kind of what i was talking about earlier is it actually enhancing memory for example so um like i can talk about this study. yes Go ahead. Um, um what is the study
1: that you're working on now
0: yeah so the, this is a very typical protocol in sleep research is looking at how sleep and in my case, how dreams are related to learning. Um, and so the basic design is you have someone do a learning task before sleep. And then we have them sleep in this case for a nap or it could be an overnight study as well. And then they do the task again after sleep. And you're trying to look for correlations between either sleep stages or um, different kind of patterns of sleep activity or dream content and learning. So there is some evidence now from a few different studies that the actual content of our dreams is correlating with um, learning. So as an example, um, a recent study did a, a virtual reality flying task. So you had to practice flying through these green circles in a virtual reality task and then people slept in the lab and they collected dream content from them and then they do this flying task again after sleep and um they find evidence that the amount of kind of like bodily uh, incorporation is kind of kinesthetic i don't know i'm trying to think of a normal word <laughs> So just evidence of like more body movement in the dream or evidence of um, actual visual parts of the task. So they might see green circles in their dream or in their dream, they might feel like they're trying to navigate space in some way. And if, if this is happening in the dream, it's corresponding with better performance after the nap. So a few studies have have found these types of correlations that just suggest that what you're dreaming about is actually functionally
1: enhancing or corresponding with um, learning. Can you give an overview, if we show it, of what you had Rachel do before, like what her task was, her learning task, and so on?
0: Yes. So the study here is looking at sign language learning. And already there's been tons of studies showing that sleep um, is related to language learning. Now, most languages are are spoken languages, um, and sign language is different in that it requires, you know, motor movement, hand movements, um, and a lot of visual kind of learning. So it's different from um, typical languages. And um, typical languages, like spoken language, has been associated with a lot with non-REM stages of sleep. So um, stage two and stage three sleep seem to be important for helping us to recall new vocabulary or learning new grammar rules, things like that. Uh, But because sign language, it requires motor learning and it requires like learning new movements and understanding movements visually. um, I'm thinking that it might be more related to REM sleep and it might actually be related to what is happening in our dreams. So if somebody's in their dreams using their hands or practicing um some sort of visual spatial task or something like that it might correspond with learning so that's it's it's completely new study so but that's what we're measuring is uh, the dreams that people have and asking them questions about were you doing body movements in these dreams were you doing any sign language movements for example um other questions like that yeah
1: I know we don't know the answer to why we are designed the way we are and why we sleep and why we're awake and all that. But what are some of your thoughts about how we're designed? And we spend a lot of time awake, but we spend a whole lot of time asleep mm-hmm. without fully understanding all of that. What are your thoughts about that That whole design?
0: Yeah, it seems that sleep is an essential part of the design for for most animals and uh, we see that especially in in infants that they spend so much time asleep it seems to be really essential to um, to learning and to um, for infants learning how to use your own body learning how to interact with the world Um, and also of course just um, what is the word I I can't think but just recovering from the
1: prior day so um like rejuvenation of- like rest yeah, and exact refreshing for the um and same with dreams um what's your best guess with the knowledge that you have as to the function of dreams and that part of the design mm-hmm.
0: yeah um i think it is just a very general helping us to learn how to be an independent organism, how to interact with the world as we know it. So when we dream, we're dreaming of being in the world, which is the world that we've learned. This is the world that I've been exposed to. It's based on my own experiences. Um, and the way that I act in a dream is also based on my own experiences. So if I've experienced you know certain threats or traumas, then I will see those in my dream. And it's, it's basically, to me, it's it's a way of, of practicing being myself in the world as I've, I've come to experience it. And it's enabling us also
1: to prepare for what we expect the next day will be like. How do you commonly dream? Um, like a lot, a little, happy, oh. frightening? <laughs> yeah. um, th- yeah, any dream, common
0: themes? I dream a lot, definitely. Uh, almost every day, I would say. Uh, I have... I do have lucid dreams. I often use them just for plying because I can't think of what else to do. Um, I a lot of my dreams are um, mostly just related to waking life in some way, related to things that I'm working on, what's important for me at the moment. Sometimes I dream about work. Uh, sometimes I dream about, um, you know, if I'm planning to see my friends, then I'll dream a lot about not just my friends, but experiences that I associate with them. Um, But then I have like some common recurring bad dream themes, and these are kind of universal themes. Uh, Dreaming of being in an out of control car is one that I have that's very common for people. Dreams of my teeth falling out, that's a common one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody know why we dream of our teeth falling out? (laughs) Uh,
0: Actually, there was some research on that not too long ago that suggests that is more common in people who grind their teeth.
1: So just like
0: the sensation of you grinding your teeth is getting incorporated into your mind. and
1: Wow, making dream of interesting. Yeah. Um, last question. We didn't talk specifically about nightmares. Mm. What are some of your thoughts about nightmares, the horrible side of dreaming? I mean, some people have even fear of falling asleep. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, nightmares, it can be really, really uh, intense and distressing experiences for people. And one thing I like, to point out is that it's not just um something that you're experiencing mentally which mentally it can be as extreme as a trauma in waking life but physically people are also experiencing a lot of arousal i mean their their heart can be racing during a nightmare and they their, their breathing is short and they wake up and they're completely mentally distressed but also just physiologically it's a really arousing experience and not a very restful sleep at all um And, you know, if you experience that on like a weekly basis, it really interferes with your ability to get a good night's rest. And it makes you avoid sleep, potentially afraid of going to sleep. If you wake up from a nightmare, you often don't want to stay in bed. Um, So in addition to the actual distress that the nightmare is causing, you're not getting those um, refreshing experiences of sleep.
1: sleep and dream researcher, Michelle Carr. A lot more on this topic in my cover story this Sunday on Full Measure, May 15th. To find a station near you and to see what time we air on Sunday, you can go to Akison.com, click the Full Measure tab, and you have the whole list of stations wherever you live. If you don't have a station near you or the time's not convenient, you can always watch at online. We live stream at 9 30 AM Eastern Time on Sundays. It's all free. Or you can just watch replays because we post the program usually before noon Eastern Time on Sundays. That's at Fullmeasure.news. And we have a free app called Stir S T I R R. You can download that and watch Full Measure Live or on demand, but the best part about it is there's a lot of other cool programming available on STIR, all for free, entertainment, movies, local news, and lots more. And if you're really into this topic, you can check out my other podcast right now, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, where you'll hear another fascinating interview about sleep and dreams. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if so, you'll leave a great review, subscribe to it and share it with your friends. Also, you can support independent journalism by visiting SherylAckison.com and clicking the store tab. I have some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for free thinkers like you with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes like the ION Awards, which I've just started up, for original and off-narrative journalism. It is a cash prize at two journalism colleges. And I've just expanded that to an additional cash prize for reporting professionals to encourage original, accurate journalism that doesn't follow the pack and just repeat the pack's mistakes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself, and pleasant dreams.